The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Is your organization a talent magnet? Is your culture the envy of the business market? Top organizations need top leaders. Make sure that you are that leader. This show will ensure that you are. Welcome to I Lead, the Leadership Connection with Dr. Linda Sharkey. Leaders today are more than just results. They are about creating legacies of great people, driving winning organizations, and raising the bar for themselves and that of their teams. Now, here is your host, Dr. Linda Sharkey. Hi. I'm Linda Sharkey. I'm uh, the host of I Lead the Leadership Connection, and uh, great to be here today. I just got back last night from uh, Silicon Valley, and um, boy, it just drove home again for me the whole point of how important leadership and talent uh, is in an organization. And there's uh, a a couple of places that uh, are going through some tough times, and you know, when you don't have the right leaders in place and when you don't have the right focus on people, uh, you really have retention problems. And when you have retention problems, you have customer problems. And when you have customer problems, you have shareholder problems. And for me, it always goes back to one equation. You know, it's your people and your leaders. And if you don't have leaders that care about the people and pay attention to the people, uh, you're you're never going to have a phenomenal a phenomenal business at the end of the day, and it's sad when you see great products and uh, great opportunity, and people and leadership sort of squandering that opportunity um, for a whole variety of reasons. For a whole variety of reasons, so that's why I'm doing this series on uh, the view from the top. Because I think there are so many great leaders out there. Uh, we just had Margaret Keene on last week, who is the CEO of Synchrony uh, Financial, one of the largest um, private label credit uh, financial institutions in the U.S. and Canada. And today we have with us somebody who is uh, just a great role model, I think, uh, Tiger Tajarajan, who is the CEO of GenPack. Tiger has uh, been in this field for quite some time. GenPack is a spin-off from a uh, GE company. It was started in Gurgaon, India. Oh, my goodness, uh, back in the mid-90s. And I remember when they had just 50 employees. And now they're upwards of 60 to 7, 80, 66,000 employees in 25 countries uh, with 2.1 billion annual revenues as of uh, 2013. So it's a pretty significant uh, company. And Tiger has had a lot to do with this company through a variety of different roles. Uh, he was the CEO of uh, GE Capital International Services, which was really the foundation for um, GenPack at one point. Um, he uh, 
transferred from there into uh, commercial lending in the U.S. and was the global head of Six Sigma and global operations. And then he returned to GenPAC after GenPAC was spun off as a standalone business uh, in February 2005 as executive vice president of sales. And he worked his way up from there through marketing, M&A, and uh, ultimately into the COO role of GenPAC. And now he's the CEO of the company, effective uh, June uh, 2011. And... It is, needless to say, a huge success story and on a wonderful trajectory of success. Just about every top-tier Fortune 500 company that you can even think of does business with GenPAC. And I think the reason for that is because they're absolutely excellent at what they do. And as Tiger likes to say, They're maniacal about customer service. And as I said before, if you take care of your employees, your employees will take care of your customers and your tech customers uh, will drive your bottom and top line uh, and take care of your shareholders. So it's a very important factor. So with that, I'd like to introduce Tiger. Thank you so much, Tiger, for taking the time to uh, be with me on the show today. Linda, really appreciate you having me on the show and and delighted to be here uh, and looking forward to the conversation. Thank you. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, too, because I think you're just one of these great leaders. We're going to spend some time getting into a whole bunch of stuff. And partly one of the things that I think is so exciting about GenPAC is uh, that it has a business model that I think is going to be a model uh, for the future where um, there really is no headquarters for GenPAC. Right, Tiger? So, so how, do you, how do you operate that way? So this goes back, uh, Linda, to 2011 when I uh, moved in as a CEO, you know, and I've been at the company for many, many years, right from the beginning, as you, as you did uh, in your introduction. Uh, and one of the things that struck me, not just about our company, but in general about uh, most industries and most companies, is that you really have to spend time, leaders have to spend time in the market, and leaders have to spend time yeah. inside customers. Um, and the other thing that struck me was we are in the 21st century, uh, virtual, technology-driven, and some of our business actually represents that. And I said, what's the notion of headquarters? It's so old-fashioned. So we debated it as a team for about 15 minutes, and at the end of that, we said, okay, as of now, we eliminate headquarters. And it's a nice word to use, eliminate headquarters. Um, so today we are a leadership team of about 20 of us spread across the globe, uh, we obviously get together physically every once in a while, but it's often video conferences, it's, it's telepresence, it's phone calls, um, and we spend a lot of our time with our clients. And we run the company, as, as you rightly said, with no headquarters, and I think we just love it. And and how is that? I, I love it, too, and I honestly think that that's, uh, that's going to be the business organization design of the future because, you know, as you know, we both came from GE and other companies that are headquartered in a particular geography. People who don't then work in the headquarters often feel disenfranchised, right? And that's a hard thing to get through, right? 
it's so so uh, it's it's so so important what you just said so if you go back to the history of us when we were part of GE um you know a lot of what we did was uh, in our delivery centers where i think we delivered some outstanding operations uh, our clients at that time GE loved us and a lot of our leaders including myself sat in those delivery centers and i think it worked really well um but over time came to the conclusion that you have to spend time in the markets and with clients and leaders have to really strategize with clients now when you do that one of the things that you could do and companies do do is to shift headquarters so one of the debates we had is okay let's pick up our our headquarters and move it to new york um you know one of the places where we have a where we have a concentration of clients but then we said that will disenfranchise a lot of our delivery people who are such great people that's when we said but this is 21st century what is the meaning of headquarters so why don't we just eliminate it so so what it does is we get together where it's the right place to get together it could be new york next week we are in london as a group to debate what's going to happen over the next half year and in december we're getting together in india and and that allows different people to become part of those conversations it doesn't mean that any one place is more important than the other so lots of positives I I I really love that because you and I know we you know we've we've worked in many big global companies. I mean, you just haven't worked for for GE, you work for Citibank and 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 other places. And there's always that headquartered tension, you know, and people always feel like second class citizens if they're you know not somehow tethered or recognized um, by the headquarters. And so I I think this is a brilliant model. And and has that sort of eliminated that kind of dialogue in your organization? it has um, it's not easy linda because it, you know there are people who who uh, would say oh it, you know the delivery centers are not as important as it used to be and uh, they would question they still question me is that true and obviously i go into deep explanations about the fact that that's not true it's just that you know you got you got to do both and and you got to explain that so so I'll, as we all know linda this is all about constant communication so the fact that yes. this is important uh, i don't think there's any stopping uh, us constantly communicating at the same time making everyone feel included uh, we now have delivery centers in china in philippines in bucharest in uh, in in brazil you know how do you make sure that everyone is included as the company goes bigger and bigger and it's not easy it's one of the toughest things that i think uh, leaders have to do i think so too and i i think uh, you know that communication is so critical and the touch points with employees and you know uh, it, it just recently in another company which will go nameless um the the communication was so infrequent that people really lost trust in their leaders they didn't really understand where things were going things were being held very close to the vest and it just breeds the cynicism so t- to me communication is probably one of the biggest part of any leader's job it's central to their job yeah is that how absolutely. you see it tiger uh, so to how much time- I, I i grew up in the world of ge 
and uh, G yes. Capital. And, you know, I think one of the many things I learned there, but one of the things I learned was the importance and the value you, you get uh, of, as a leader, driving communication and from communication globally and across business units. And I grew up at the time that Jack Welch was the, was the leader, and you just had to watch him. And even if you could emulate 10% of what he did, I thought it would, it would be fantastic. So, so we've always treasured communication, um, and we do it in a pretty, I would say, systematic way. We learn every day. Um, so I have a global town hall every quarter. Uh, it's a video conference that cuts across 77 sites across the globe, 20, 24 countries. Um, and it's at the same time every quarter, and it's about 30 minutes of, you know, state of the business, here's what's happening, and then it's an hour of random questions that come from all over the globe. Um, it's pretty fascinating how, you know, you can have someone raise their hands in, in a small center in Bucharest and ask a very insightful question. Um, it all gets captured and then communicated, and, you know, so lots of people learn from each of those questions and the dialogue. Um, so it's fascinating. And of course, one of the things that's changed, so we've been doing this for 15 plus years every quarter it, without a break. One of the interesting things that's happened is technology has become so good that you can do it in a much more effective way these days. People can sit at their desk and get into a webcast and listen and participate. They send tweets. It's fascinating. You can be sitting at your desk and you can tweet a question which gets picked up and communicated to me. And then I come up with an answer on the spot. So it's real time questions. So what used to be seven questions asked, you know, in an audio fashion now becomes 50 to 60 questions in an hour because you can rapidly go through tweets. So it's really fascinating. Wow. And you're able, what, what are you, it's 30 minutes, uh, 30 seconds from now we're going to be at break, but I just, just quickly, uh, Tiger, are you able to answer all those questions in that time? No. No, no, no. So, so the idea would be as you scan the question, you say, hey, this question seems like one of those I want to answer right now. And then you take all the balanced questions you haven't answered, and then you answer them and send it to everyone. You have to do that. You have to do it, even if it's the most uncomfortable question. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's, that is the hallmark of the brilliance of what you're doing. Even if it's an uncomfortable question, too many of us like to try and spin it and put the corporate twist on it and say, oh, that's how it gets too hot. I can't touch that question. So that's, that's brilliant, Tiger. Stay with me. We're talking to Tiger, the CEO of Genpack. Uh, we're going to be talking a little bit more about his headquarterless model and uh, what pressures that puts on leaders and, uh, to, uh, and, and changes their behaviors in their jobs. So we're at break. Stay with us. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. If you have a loved one that is undergoing treatment for substance abuse or mental illness, you owe it to them and yourself to tune in to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. This compassionate and educational talk show will help you help those that you love by better understanding their condition and their personal recovery process. Tune in every Monday at 12 noon Pacific time to One Hour at a Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Recovery begins this hour. Dr. Linda Sharkey promotes fact-based solutions for global organizations and leaders that are known to drive business success. Do you want to put the wow in your talent practices? 
How about a spring in your leadership approaches? Coaching and leadership development are proven methods that, if done right, really do make good leaders great. If you want a no-nonsense, practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results, contact Linda today. Visit lindasharkey.com. Again, that's lindasharkey.com. As your business grows, are you growing with it? Do you have the right balance of time, attention, work, and personal life? Take the growing pains out of growth and tune into The Business Edge with Marsha Zidle. If you are spending most of your energy managing problems rather than focusing on taking your business to the next level, our program will give you the steps you need to make sure you have everything in place for forward-thinking business leadership. The Business Edge is heard every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. tuned in to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or you can tweet the show at hashtag ILEADTLC. We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is radio at lindasharkey.com. Now, Back to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. Hi, welcome back. I'm your host, Linda Sharkey, and I have with me uh, Tiger Tyra Rajan, the CEO of GenPack. And uh, just a, a word on GenPack uh, it is one of the best outsourcing companies in the world, 66,000 employees all over the world. Uh, $2.1 billion in revenue, a sizable company that's a, a, a relatively new company in the big picture of life. We were talking about how Tiger and his leadership team sort of, not sort of, blew up their headquarters and rotate around the globe into the markets, and that's how they operate. They get close to their customers, they're in the markets, they learn the issues. And he said another thing, he was talking about how they leverage technology. And he talked about having... Uh, quarterly all-hands meetings where people tap in from all over the world and they tweet. And why I love this is because there's so many companies today that are not embracing social media. They're afraid of it. They're afraid that, you know, they're going to lose control. Secrets are going to leak out. But clearly, GenPack has embraced it. So tell me about that. How's that worked for you? And, 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 and to your point earlier, Tiger, it's here, so we might as well embrace it. So how do you leverage all of this? How did you do that inside your company? So as usual, uh, Linda, it starts off with, uh, with a problem that you start facing. So, you know, I was talking about the town halls we used to have, which were all video conferences. At some point in time, as you become bigger and bigger, video conferences become unwieldy. Um, it also becomes difficult to reach the five people who are in Jacksonville, Florida, um, you know, working with clients. There's no video conference available there. We don't have an office there. They're working with clients. So how do you allow them to access that town hall that you think is so important, that they think is so important? So we found engagement levels begin to drop 
uh, about a couple of years back, and this was 12, 13 years into doing global town halls. And then we, you know, polled a bunch of employees, and they said, you know, you've got to get more new tech, and that's what we did. So, so we got in a technology that allows internal tweeting to happen. It doesn't go outside the company. It's a plat- these are platforms available easily. And what it does, it's, what it's done is it's quadrupled participation. And you know what that does to employee engagement. So I have quadruple participation. Now, obviously, in that journey, uh, HR and technology were very unhappy in the beginning, saying, how can you allow this to happen? I'm sure they were. <laughs> right. Right. So... So anyhow, so we've, we, we dialogued it, and, and I think we have a very secure environment. It's extremely important to be secure. Uh, and at the same time, allows people to actually create their own community. So we have a Facebook-like platform uh, that we have inside the company where groups of people sitting in 10 locations can come together because they're working on a common problem for a set of clients. And they actually do work for you know, project planning and, and work together on that Facebook commu- kind of community. And it's fascinating. And, and these people love it because that's what they do because they're young people. So the reality is that anyhow, they would, they would have access to Facebook, et cetera, on their mobile devices. So you're not really, uh, I mean, you're not really doing anything different other than saying, okay, let me put a platform and you work on that platform. Right. And, and, and as you say, they all come to work with their own personal devices. So they can use Facebook, they can do all this stuff, and you can't really control that. Yeah, so you might yeah, as well put true. a platform on that that they can use, that they're familiar with. And so how do you leverage this for learning? I mean, this seems like this could be a great real-time learning uh, opportunity. Oh, it's, uh, I, I think we leverage it probably... Uh, I would argue 25% of what we could. I think we are on a long journey to leverage it more and more. And the reality is, as you realize you're leveraging it more, technology has moved forward. That's the world we are in today on, on every aspect. So clearly, one of the big leverages for us is learning. We are a learning organization. There's no option for us. And it's global learning. So, you know, often we have programs that are being conducted with webcasts, with questions that are flowing in on this tweet kind of platform, with teams that are sitting in a, in a room in five different locations, uh, with obviously video conference beaming across those five, and uh, tools that allow someone to write on a board in one place and four other places can see it. It's, it's, it's amazing what technology does these days, and, and these are not expensive anymore. Um, the other interesting one, this is, this is a fun one, um, you know, I could be sitting with a client uh, in New York, and I could be telling the client, you know, I'd like to show you my operating team, your operating team that serves you, sitting in, uh, in uh, Dalian in China. And, you know, I just log in on my iPad, and then lo and behold, um, you know, an iPad that sits on the floor on a Segway um, on the floor in, in that operating center. And then I can control the Segway sitting in New York. So the Segway moves around the operating center, goes to Linda and says, hey, Linda, you want to talk to your boss in New York? Yes, they have a conversation. Then you take the Segway to John and John has a conversation. It's just amazing. That is amazing. I, you know, it's just, it is amazing. And like you say, it's just the tip of the iceberg. We're, we're, we're just beginning with all this stuff. It's, it's going to be incredible. <laughs> I, yeah. So, Tiger, uh, tell me, 
you know, you, you, you blew up the headquarters. So how has this had to change leadership behavior? And what, what have been the challenges with this? Well, lots of challenges, and I think we're not, we not done with it. We learn, you know, we learn every day, and then we try and get together and drive improvements. So the first is the, the, the discomfort of not being where delivery is happening. We are an organization that prides ourselves on delivery. We are an organization that prides ourselves on maniacal focus on, on the client, as you, as you rightly described it. And we use measurements like Net Promoter Score to do that. So the fear that leaders had was if I'm not with the team that's delivering, then Net Promoter Score will go down. And that's not good for our business. Um, well, so we had to make sure that there was strength in the leadership team uh, in the operating centers as my leaders went out into the markets and spent time with clients. Um, and that's been a journey, and I think we are well on our way on the journey. It's really working well, but you can't take your eye off the ball. The other one is, I you think know, it's still important. Sorry, go ahead, Linda. No, no, go ahead, Tiger. No, the one other thing is, I think it's still important for human beings to get together in spite of technology. So, so this is the fascinating one where, you know, our leaders still have to come together and spend a couple of days every once in a while to actually, you know, work on issues, think about strategy. So what it does mean is that you have to find a way to get together and you've got to pick a spot. And, and you've got to calendarize it, otherwise it won't happen because people are constantly traveling. So, so the importance of being disciplined around your calendar, the importance of being disciplined to get together four or five times a year, obviously there's some cost involved in doing that, but that cost is insignificant as compared to the benefit of this kind of a model. So, you know, I think there are lots of learnings, um, more positive than negative, but obviously we've got to deal with the stuff that we have to deal with and keep moving on. Yeah, and I love the fact that you're talking about the discipline. And what occurs to me here as you're talking about this, I'm assuming uh, that your net promoter score didn't go down. I'm, uh, and I know I talked to you before. In fact, is continuing to stay strong and go up. But this requires a lot of trust. And remember back the early days when uh, Jekis, which was the precursor to GenPak, was starting in uh, Gurgaon, India, and everybody said the same thing at that time, Tiger, if you remember, oh, we can't let our relationships, you know, be handled by somebody else on the other side of the world. And uh, so this requires a lot of trust. So how do you build that trust? Um, I, think, I think at the end of the day, trust is built through actually delivering on promises. So that's one ultimate story around how, how we try and build trust. But the reality is that if someone hasn't experienced you, then how do you tell them that you will keep promises? That's why Net Promoter Score becomes so important because the moment you have a set of senior client stakeholders of an existing client of yours who really like what you've done, but more importantly, um, like the maniacal client focus we have, solving problems, bringing thought leadership, allowing them to learn new technology that we bring in, etc., then they thump the table and say, these guys are great, you should work with them. And they talk about it inside their company that allows us to grow with their company. And they talk about it to the outside world. And in our kind of a business, since we, since we deal with large corporations, no one buys our services without talking to 10 of our clients. Uh, high net promoter score is a huge benefit when reputation is so important, and we really hang our hat on reputation. And to your first part of the question, you know, our net promoter score has actually gone up um, consistently over the last 10 years as we've done all these changes. So 
So touch wood. That's, that's our game plan. Yeah, but, you know, I'm hearing another thing in here. So first of all, your leaders are building a culture of trust. So they're able to deal remotely with people and build, still build, you know, great relationships. I think the segue thing is fascinating. The second thing I hear very strongly from what you're saying is this notion of partnership. And, you know, we all talk about, well, we partner with our customers, you know, we're customer centric, but it's appearing more than appearing that you actually your art your teams sit with the customers they're arm in arm with the customers you know you're looking at these net promoter scores kind of together and it really is uh you're you're almost embedded into their personal success oh so so true linda um, I just heard you say that you just got back from uh, the valley. I was in the valley about a month back for three days, and most of my time I spent with these young startup companies who are doing such cool things with technology. A lot of that technology, as you know these days, is about uh, very, doing some very intelligent stuff that earlier human beings used to do. Um, and even today, human beings do it. But it's a question of time before some of that work will be done by machines. Um, and therefore, human beings will find more valuable stuff to do. I mean, that's, you know, that's uh, my belief about, about what's happening in the world. So when we go to a client and, and my leaders are talking to them and they say, look, I have 400 people doing this very complex financial work for you. But I think there are a couple of tools we have, we have now got hold of that we're going to bring in for you. So can you work with me? And at the end of that, we're going to find a way to do this with 200 people. Uh, and, and the other 200 people will do other things. So the moment you do that, you really are adding so much value to the client, even though it is quite possible that in that journey, you would actually make your relationship with that client smaller, your revenue with that client smaller. But you've got to have a belief that when you do that, the client just loves you and gives you more work and has you in the C-suite for strategy conversations and so on. So it's a deep belief. You've got to run the company with such deep beliefs. I, and I totally agree with that, and it's counterintuitive to what people would think, but you're absolutely right. And what, it's what, it, it goes back to you develop people, and you spawn them off, and you help them move on to other careers. And I remember where at break in a, a minute, but I remember you you're, you're telling me, Tiger, that, you know, when people leave our company, I want them to leave as a friend, because when they leave as a friend, I've got a great relationship in another place. So, you know, if, if you think that you're holding people in or you can't really uh, work to, to help your customer really be most effective, even though you're going to be losing revenue, it's the wrong way to think about it. The right way to think about it is what you're saying. Help them achieve what they're trying to achieve. Help them be great. And they will recommend you and they will bring you more business in the end. So I think it's brilliant. We're at break. Stay with us. We're talking to Tiger, CEO of Genpack, and we're going to go into some of the leadership lessons, the culture that he's developed in his leadership team, and um, some personal discussions about your own uh, ahas as you moved into the CEO role. So stay with us. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Dr. Linda Sharkey promotes fact-based solutions for global organizations and leaders that are known to drive business success. Do you want to put the wow in your talent practices? 
How about a spring in your leadership approaches? Coaching and leadership development are proven methods that, if done right, really do make good leaders great. If you want a no-nonsense, practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results, contact Linda today. Visit lindasharkey.com. Again, that's lindasharkey.com. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are tuned in to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. Or you can tweet the show at hashtag I Lead TLC. We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is radio at lindasharkey.com. Now, back to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. Hi, welcome back. I'm Linda Sharkey, your host, and with me today is Tiger Taya Jarajan. And uh, I just wanted to get it right. I hope I did this time once in this uh, this show. It's a <laughs> that's why you, you go by Tiger, right, right Tiger? Because <laughs> everybody slaughters it, and I've known you so many years, and I'm I'm still slaughtering your your last name. But I hope I got it right this last time. But we are talking about the kind of model that that Tiger's put in place, uh, how he develops leaders, which leads me to really look at that leadership equation and some of the what are some of the core beliefs. Uh, that you use to lead your company? So a number of them, uh, Linda. So let me start by talking about the core, the core qualities that I and my team look for in, let's say, leaders. Um, I'll talk a little bit about, you know, deeper in the organization later, but first about leaders. So, so we have a core belief that, you know, leaders, um, you know, have to have fundamental values that, that we thrive on. Um, you know, there are lots of things that you can learn. There are lots of things that you can teach. Uh, but I think values are something you have. And, and therefore, for us, you know, are you really uh, driven? Are you, are you one of those people who can energize people around you and get a bunch of people to solve problems? Are you, I mean, do, do you wear your passion on your sleeve? Um, I mean, are you, are you really inclusive? In, in getting ideas from everyone around you, or are you one of those people who thinks that your idea is always the best? I mean, these are values that we believe are very important for our business to be successful, and therefore, it's one of the fundamental things that we look for when we either hire new people into the company at a leadership level, or we look for the right people to promote. Um, so that's one deep belief that values become almost at the fulcrum of who you bring in as leaders. The other one that I would say is, is, you know, hiring for a skill 
is not that important. I mean, this is going to sound strange, but if I'm looking for an accounting leader, I don't necessarily think it's, 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 it's important to get the best accounting leader who knows exactly everything about accounting, because the reality is we are in a world that changes so rapidly that it's going to change. Um, what, what he or she knows today, it may not be relevant tomorrow. So the more important thing that we look for is, do you have a learning attitude? Do you have the ability to learn? Are you hungry to learn? And we actually test for that in conversations. And, and, and the other thing is, are you inclusive enough to, and curious enough to learn? Um, it's great to have a conversation with someone, uh, and, and if you say something that the person disagrees, the first thing the person should ask is not, no, I don't agree with you, but to, but to say, so tell me why you think that way, because I'm curious. And maybe after listening to you, I'm going to change my view and agree with you. So, so we look for curiosity. I'm a big believer that curiosity is one of the most important things in life. Um, so, so I have to tell you, for. Tiger, uh, it, this is brilliant, because I will tell you that's another myth that's gotta be, that is going to be broken up in this next in this 21st century that you have to hire the best in the skill set. You have to hire the people with the right set of values because the research in the literature says, and the, and the fact of the matter is it is much harder to teach people how to be inclusive than it is to teach them accounting procedures. And to your point that are going to be continually changing the world is just moving too fast. So you have to have people that are inherent learners who are curious. That's, that's brilliant. The other thing I will tell you, I was, I was just looking at something else as I was uh, this whole notion of inclusive inclusion. And I want to talk to you a little bit more about that. You know, the, the web, not, you know, social media is inclusive and you don't know, who people are from all over the world that are tweeting and saying things to you. And so if you can't take ideas from anywhere in the world and take those ideas and learn from them, ask about them, drive down to the core of understanding why somebody thinks that important, you're not going to be successful in this yeah. next business environment. It's just that simple. So yeah. I, I love that. Now, how, how do you test for these things, Tiger? Oh, that's, that's a tough one. Um, you know, internally, it's actually easy as you promote people. The good news is we do, we do pride ourselves on, you know, we call ourselves a learning organization, and we pride ourselves on our leadership development programs and capabilities and skills and methodologies. As you can imagine, Linda, all of that was built around the first seven years of learning with GE. I still consider that to be yes. the best leadership engine in the world, bar none. Um, and some of those methodologies, obviously, we took, and then we refined it because the world has changed. Um, so when we, when we, you know, appraise people, when we give them feedback, when we coach, we really categorize them, and then we, we, we give inputs to them that moves the, some of them in the direction of becoming big leaders, and we look for these things, and we look for incidences and, and events, and hopefully the right bosses move in and, and, and talk to them about coaching them. Um, hiring from the outside makes it much tougher. Um, and about 20, 25% of our leaders do come in from the outside on a continuous basis. The benefit is continuously getting fresh ideas and thinking. The problem is that it's not easy to check for these things continuously. So, so you make mistakes. Um, so you've got to be ready to make yeah. mistakes. Um, but, but, but the interview process has to be rigorous. Uh, unfortunately, it takes time because lots of people end up meeting the candidate. I don't think it's a one-person hiring decision. Uh, references become incredibly important. 
deep references. And, you know, at senior leadership levels, I do the reference calls myself because it's that important. I, I think often these things get delegated down to, you know, someone deep in the organization. I, I think it's probably the, one of the most important things I do ever as a CEO is to hire people and groom people. There's nothing more important than that in my business. I think you are absolutely right, and particularly for senior hires, because you probably know this. Cultural fit is the biggest reason why senior hires flame out uh, in a company, and it usually happens within 18 months. And um, that whole understanding the culture, getting acclimated to it, uh, is all rooted in core beliefs and values. And yep. I think that's really, really an important aspect of what of what you do. Uh, tell me, Tiger, you know, when you moved into the CEO, uh, you know, uh, Pramod Basin was, was CEO of the company and, you know, you've known him for a long time. So how is that a shift for you? What, what was sort of one of your biggest leadership ahas uh, as, you, as you took the bigger helm here? So, you know, the, the fascinating thing was um, I took the job on a particular day and I really did not have anything that I wanted to dramatically change in the company the day I took over. So it was one of those where often people would turn to me and say, okay, so you've now taken over the CEO. What are the things you're going to change? And I would look at the person and say, look, I think we're doing very well. Um, we like the company. We like what we're doing. We're on a great path. I have been part of the leadership team pretty much forever. I have been part of the decision-making process with my boss, who was my boss for many years, um, in every step of the way. So I think it's very disingenuous for me to actually turn around and say, these five things that we did together, I'm going to change immediately. So it was a fascinating one where I had to think deeply about the four or five things that I thought it was time to change. And I had thought about them for some time. So one of them was the headquarter conversation we had. The other was a connected conversation where about 80% of the leadership team of the company used to sit in delivery centers. So think about them as sitting in great factories. Think about BMW or Mercedes or GM having all their leaders sitting in the factory. And, uh, and only about 20% were sitting with clients in the markets. Um, you know, on that day that I said headquarters goes away, I also said 80% of the leadership team of the company will sit in the markets where the clients are, and that's in the U.S., that's in Europe, it's in Japan, it's in Australia, it's in China, and so on. And 20% will sit in our great factories. And by the way, we have strength in those factories, so it actually will work, and we have leadership depth in the factories. That was a big change, and we made that change happen. And I said, let's give ourselves two or three years to make that change happen. Well, 14 months into that journey, we were at 75-25, and that's where we are, and we love the fact that we are 75-25. So I would call those two out as two of the biggest changes uh, that we did. Um, And I would call today one of the biggest changes we are doing is how do you you bring in new technology, um, Silicon Valley technology and digital technology into our business, into our services, in a dramatic way, because we think businesses of our clients are getting disrupted by digital technology. Um, And our job is to find those new technologies and bring them in. And that's different from what we've done in the past. So it's a cultural change that we are driving to actually make that happen. Yeah, and how how do you ensure that you maintain the culture 
Uh, because this is clearly a culture of transition, change. You have to have people that, you know, uh, want to work in a di- in different ways, and that's not always the case in a lot of places. So, how do you maintain that culture? How do you keep that um, excitement around doing things differently? No, so you're gonna you're gonna laugh when I say this because I'm sure you've heard this before. You know, having spent some years in GE, you know, you 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 walk the talk, you you say what you're gonna do, then you do it, then you say you have to do it, then you say again that you did it, and then you say you have to do it. So there's no end to you know one clearly articulating the behaviors that you expect. Culture is all about behaviors under certain situations. Um, you gotta you gotta story tell. Um, the broader the organization, the deeper the organization, and, and, and about 70% of our organization is in countries that are not fully evolved and mature as economies, and therefore exposure of some of the people is limited. So you've got to actually teach, and the only way you teach is to tell stories. So, so there's no end to communication. Uh, I just described the global town hall uh, as an example, but we have so many avenues of communicating, and most of them are storytelling. And then you've got to make great examples. Um, you know, people who show and exhibit great values and culture, you point them out and publicly you reward them. And I would uh, say that people who don't, um, you know, you, you make sure everyone knows that this is a behavior that's not acceptable. It's not a hidden, uh, you know, let's do it quietly agenda. So people really understand what is expected. And then you have to walk the talk as the leader. You have to be right up front there, behaving that way, uh, driving that culture. And where you find a problem leader, you have to take some quick action because if you don't, that culture uh, you know, infiltrates the whole organization, and that's very dangerous. Absolutely. We're at break. Stay with us, Tiger. There's a question that's come in from the, the, the field, um, but we're talking about how important it is. And, you know, what you're, what you're talking about, Tiger, is – they're simple things and they're things that can easily be done but it's amazing to me that people don't do them so you have a rhythm around it so stay with us we're talking to Tiger CEO of Genpack we'll be right back after the break when it comes to business you'll find the experts here Voice America Business Network. Dr. Linda Sharkey promotes fact-based solutions for global organizations and leaders that are known to drive business success. Do you want to put the wow in your talent practices? How about a spring in your leadership approaches? Coaching and leadership development are proven methods that, if done right, really do make good leaders great. If you want a no-nonsense, practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results, contact Linda today. Visit lindasharkey.com. Again, that's lindasharkey.com. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. 
We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned in to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or you can tweet the show at hashtag iLeadTLC. We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is radio at lindasharkey.com. Now, back to iLead, the Leadership Connection. Hi. Welcome back. You're with our show, I Lead the Leadership Connection, and thank you for staying with us. And I have Tiger, CEO of GenPack, a great conversation with a company that clearly is embracing technology, is embracing the change of the 21st century, is really looking about how they can maintain relevance in this this fast-paced, changing world and really add value to their customers, not just say it but really add value to the customers. I, I love the conversation. So, Tiger, we have a question from Masu from Hawaii, and they're quite a few hours ahead of us, but it's early morning there. And, you know, he's a new uh, CEO in a smaller company, and he'd like your advice on the three biggest pieces of advice that you could give an aspiring CEO slash leader. Great question. Um, I would say... I'll start with something I've already talked about, which is never, never, never uh, assume that you know everything um, and pretty openly exhibit ignorance, curiosity, questioning uh, in a very humble, I want to know more way. Um, I don't think it changes the fact that you are the leader changes the fact that you are the person who's ultimately going to decide. But until you reach that point of saying, okay, I think I know everything, I've heard everyone's views, now I think I can take a better decision, I think it's very important. So curiosity, openness, exhibiting ignorance, uh, eliciting views, number one. Number two would be, you know, really spending time with uh, your clients. It doesn't matter whether it's a consumer business, in which case really understand your consumer if it's, if, it's, if it's businesses, then understand your business. And there again, it's a lot about asking questions and then sitting back and listening. Because the more you listen, the more you learn. And then, and then you'll be able to really add value through your business and direct your business in the direction of where your clients are going. And the third is, you know, I think, I think there's a big belief that I have and a bunch of us have, which is agility and nimbleness is going to be probably the single biggest factors that will determine success of organizations in the future. In today's world, given the pace of change with technology, that trumps everything. So speed trumps everything. So when you have a choice between a decision that will take X days versus a decision that will take two hours, um, even if it means once in a while making a mistake, prefer speed. It always will help you. That is such a great point. Uh, I, I had a gentleman on my show, best-selling author Jason Jennings, um, a couple of weeks back, who wrote the High Speed Company, and he said, "You know, it's it is speed, and not having speed that will eat you for lunch." Uh, and by ha- 
to have speed, you have to have all the things that you were talking about. You have to have, you know, an empowered workforce. You have to have uh, leaders who can really seek understanding, as I as I hear you saying. I love this notion of humility. Uh, you know, just because you're a leader does not mean that you know everything. And in today's world, you can't possibly know everything. It's, right. it's changing so quickly. People are everywhere. So that's brilliant pieces of advice, Tiger. I can't thank you enough for being on the show. It was a great conversation. There's so many other questions I could ask you, and so I'll have to have you back. Linda, thank you so much for having me on the show, and have a wonderful evening. Yes, you, you too, Tiger. And next week, we have Corey Kogan, who is from Franklin and Covey, and she is going to be talking about her latest book. And it's a fascinating book because it runs into this theme that uh, is pulsing through um, my shows, which are what are some of the myths that, you know, we still keep hanging on to from the industrial era and from the 20th century that we keep bringing into the 21st century that we know don't work. And so Corey and her co-authors have spent a quite a bit of time talking and, and doing research around neuroscience and bringing those concepts into how you redesign your work organization. And they have five pillars, which are fascinating pillars, including what happens to the brain uh, with how you eat. Um, and it's becoming very clear that in today's fast-paced business world, people need time to reflect. And if they don't get time to reflect, they make poor decisions. They use the lower part of their brain, which is the reactive part of their brain, instead of using the upper quartile, which is where they are able to deflect emotion, where they're able to come up with more reasoned answers to things, where they're able to be more balanced. So I think this is a very, very important thing as we think about developing leaders, as we think about developing great organizations for the future, because people cannot go from meeting to meeting to meeting to meeting. They need time to step back and reflect on what's going on. They also were finding, we're also finding from brain science and neuroscience, that people need that social connection. And what I loved about what Tiger talked about is You know, you have employees all over the world, 66,000 employees in 25 locations. You can't possibly be in every one of those locations. So how do you connect and how do you make an emotional connection with people so that they feel that social relationship? And using communication tools, leveraging technology in a way where people feel they really can ask you uh, through tweets and get an honest answer not get something that's been spun by the marketing department uh, that'll be safe in case the lawyers, uh, somebody does something and, you know, you're going to have a lawsuit. People can ferret that out. And in this 21st century workplace, having that open, honest, trusting kind of communication is going to be essential. And that is what builds relationships. People can't sit in a cubicle and not have human connection. And so we, we need to be thinking about that. So this is going to be a great show. Uh, in uh, August 6th, we have Margaret Keene back. And the reason I asked Margaret back, uh, and I'm going to have Tiger back as well, is that she's done something really fascinating around innovation stations in her 
organization. And again, she's connected with her customers in very simple, cost-effective, not expensive ways to bring in change, even slight change that makes the life of the customer so much better. So Margaret's going to be back in August. We're going to be having Bill Hawkins, who is a expert in coaching and sales. Uh, and then we're having a very interesting person um, uh, who wrote the $22 billion uh, millennial. And uh, he has made $2 billion before he was 20 years of age. Um I think he's only like 21 now. So a fascinating discussion with him. So I look forward to having you on um, and stay with us. We'll talk to you next Thursday. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of I Lead, The Leadership Connection. Please join Dr. Linda Sharkey again for another show next Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a successful week.